Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Yeah, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to kind of re- recapping some things I talked about uh, last week. And, and I, uh, last week I spent a lot of time in the first three chapters of Romans. And I, I want to move on a few chapters from there today. But, but I'll, for those who weren't with us last week, I do want to take some time to kind of recap what we talked about last week. But first I want to take a moment and just go before the Father. Because it's not my heart to simply just teach you some really good stuff and so that Drew can sound smart. What, I, what I'm hoping today, not hoping but believing, is that God is going to do a work in every single one of our hearts today, including mine, as we go to the Word. How many know the Word is alive and active? Let's say that a little louder. How many know the Word of God is alive and active? Amen. We need loud amens today. Amen. Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for the alive and active word of God. We thank you that it is good seed. And Lord, right now I pray across this room that every heart, Lord, even my heart, Lord, would be good ground for the word of God. Lord Jesus, that we would bear fruit today from this word. God, that this word would be a mirror in front of us in which we examine our hearts, examine our intentions and motives. Lord, if there's areas of our lives where we need to change our mind, Father God, change us. Convict us. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I love this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? It is the good news. Hey, it's good news. Listen. The gospel is good news. What is the good news? That Jesus came. God in the flesh came. We're coming upon the Christmas season, and we're falling to the part of Christmas where the rest of you have caught up with us who love the Lord a lot. I'm talking about after Thanksgiving. Some of you refused to celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving, and I'm praying for you. Christmas is about Jesus. We're coming to Christmas, which is about Emmanuel. That's what the scripture tells us, that he is God, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Is God is with us. And that's the whole point of Christmas, is that God became a man. The God of the universe became a little baby, which is insane. 
and then he lived a sinless life and died a death that he didn't have to die. As we'll see in Romans chapter 3, it tells us this. It tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now, wages are something you earn. How many remember your first job? How many remember that first paycheck? And you're like, I worked for this one. My first job was in chicken houses. It was awful. Arthur Cavillo, some of you know him. He was a character. He also taught me how to drive a stick in the chicken house, in the chicken poop, um, which didn't go real well. While he was standing on the roof, and I almost threw him off that roof several times. It was a bad idea. And I remember getting my first paycheck and thought, I worked so hard for this. I earned this. I was so proud of that. Anybody been there? Like, well, you got some money. You're like, I earned this. Well, guess what? Everyone has earned a death through our sin. There's a wage that comes, not one that we should be proud of, but one that haunts us, every single one of us. The wages of sin is death. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Drew. I thought we were just talking about the gospel is good news, and now you're talking about the wages of sin is death. And here's the reality. To get good news, you have to properly understand the bad news. I talked about this last week that when my dad went in, just to have a little stent put in. They were going to just put in a little stent. They were checking stuff. They weren't even sure they were going to need to do a stent. They were just checking. And they got in there like, we're going to need to do more than a stent. We're going to need to cut you open. We're going to need to do a bypass. And my dad tried to argue with them and say, not today. I don't have time for this. Don't you know it's tax season? I have a deadline in three days. And the doctor went about trying to ruin my dad's day by telling him just how bad his situation was, by telling him, you, you might not make it to the tax deadline if we don't do this. And the only reason we're not doing this procedure tonight is because I don't have a table for you to do the surgery in tonight. So first thing tomorrow morning, you're going under the knife. The reality is you have to properly understand your position. You have to properly understand the bad news before sometimes you're willing to accept the cure, the good news. This, this is evident. Jesus used this same example in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus said, I, a physician doesn't come to save the healthy. A physician's job is to save the sick. And before you're willing to accept treatment, you first have to understand that I am sick. And that's what the rest of Romans chapter 1 is all about. If you read through Romans chapter 1, what we see very clearly is that we are not good people. And Paul is clever. We were talking about this um, Wednesday night in Pastor Steve's class here. Is that, is that what Paul's doing in Romans chapter 1 is he's telling us how bad those people are how many know those people that are just really awful right look how bad they are look at all the bad things they do look how messed up and wrecked and wretched they are and then 
in chapter 2, of course, you have to understand when Paul was writing, he didn't go, all right, chapter 2. We put those in later so that we could reference things. But in chapter 2, he actually says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, every one of you who says, oh, you guys are so awful. Oh, you guys are so wretched. You're so wrong. You're so screwed up. He says, for in passing judgment on others, you condemn yourselves because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And you say, no, I don't, not me. And I would say, yes, you, because here's the reality. We all know that God is real. We talked about this last week. We all know that God is real. Your friend that's an atheist knows that God is real. How do I know? Because the Bible says. The Bible says they know God is real, but they say they don't believe in God. They're lying. If I have to choose to believe my friend or believe the Bible, I'm going to believe the Bible. And the Bible says they believe there's a God. And yet they're choosing. You know what's easier if I just pretend you're not there? You ever have a, anybody with kids and you see them getting in trouble sometimes? And they just ignore the fact that you're in the room every now and then and just do it anyway. Rebellious little kids. Right? When a kid goes ahead and does the thing and just ignores you're there, it's not because they're making a mistake. Uh, that's, what, that's what we like when we preach the gospel sometimes. We like to preach that God will save you from your mistakes. God will save you from your sin. He'll save you from your mistakes. And granted, we've all made mistakes. But sometimes what we've done is just outright rebellion. And the fact that we choose to believe, God, you don't exist and go live in sin is outright rebellion against the creator. And finally, God does this thing. He goes, you know what? Fine. You can have it your way. He gives you up to your own sin. And that's what we talked about last week. In Romans chapter 3, it brings us to this point where it tells us that no one is righteous. Not even one. And like we already read in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, if, if you're there, it says this. We already referenced this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then it says this. And are justified by the grace as a gift, the redemption that is Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay, some of you might think that was super wordy. Can I tell you something? Righteousness is a real thing. And it's hard for us maybe in our culture to understand righteousness. Righteousness is simply this. Righteousness is right relationship with God. Righteousness implies this, this moral goodness, which the Scripture tells us none of us have in and of ourselves. None of us have moral goodness. In our, and we say, well, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Can you imagine? Okay, think about this. Did you guys know that there's a pipeline that goes all the way from Houston, Texas to New York City? 
kind of curves around the Appalachians and goes on up. I think it's called like the Colonial Pipeline or something like this. Get this. This thing moves 100 million gallons of oil every day. 100 million. Like my mind doesn't even compute that, right? This pipe, it's a 40-inch pipe. What would that be like? It's a pipe. Can you imagine if you just like drilled a tiny little hole? Like, you know, this thing's... It's 5,500 miles long. What is a one-inch hole and a pipe that's 5,500 miles long? It doesn't make a difference, right? Moving 100 million gallons. What would a little one-inch hole do? <laughs> it would be a mess coming from a pipe lighter. It would be... A mess. How many know that would be quite the mess? Something so small, something seemingly so insignificant would be quite the mess. And we think, you know, my sin isn't that bad. It's a, such a small thing that I do, Pastor Drew. My sin is so small, it's so insignificant. It doesn't really matter. But the reality is, in and of ourselves, we're quite the mess. And it's even, we think, well, I'm mostly good. Mostly good won't save you. You're mostly good. The scripture says your righteousness, your righteousness, in quotes here, is like filthy rags. In Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to do it like this so I can look it up quicker. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17. This is Jesus. He's talking. You say, you know, I'm not good. And Jesus, he says this to people who are criticizing him for coming to save people who were unrighteous. He says this. I already references those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. I came to call to not call the righteous, but sinners. The reality is, before you can come to God, you must recognize one thing. You are a sinner. That you're in need of a physician. And I say this this morning because all of us this morning, we might say, I know Jesus. And, and as we were worshiping over here, I, I looked down and I have the shirt, Kingdom Seekers, Cole and Hope. They have a ministry called Kingdom Seekers. And uh, if you don't know Cole, he's the guy who's playing the bass today. And um, I was thinking about this real simple. Here's a real simple test to know whether you belong to him or not. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and my question for you this morning is, do you seek the kingdom of God first? Or, or are you just living your own life and adding some of the kingdom to it as you go along? Or do you make decisions? Do you prioritize your life with the kingdom of God in mind? I need to take this job. I need to quit this job. I need to mend this relationship. I need to end this relationship based on the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor Jude, that's scary and if I do that, the Lord might ask me to do things that aren't comfortable. You mean sacrifice, right? Would the king ever ask you 
to sacrifice? And the answer to that is a resounding yes, as Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. This is a death to myself. It's a death to my own righteousness. It's a death to saying, I think I'm good enough because I'm not. In Romans chapter 4, we find out that it's never our works that save us. He talks about Abraham, and and I'm not going to go deep into this today. But Abraham, he did all these really great things. He was this father of the Jewish people. And they, they looked at him as a hero. Like, here's this national hero. I guess the way we used to look at George Washington until we got woke. But here's Abraham. He's this national hero, and everyone looks up to him. The people who, are, who Paul are writing to look up to Abraham as this shining example of a great man of God. And what made him this great man of God? That he was so good? The reality is he wasn't real great sometimes. The reality is he was kind of jacked up every now and then. He did some really shady stuff. One time, someone thought his wife was kind of cute, so he said, uh, yeah, she's just my sister because th- he didn't want them to kill him. Yeah, she's just my sister. So they took his wife away because it was just his sister. The guy gave up his wife. What is that? He did it twice. This guy's messed up. It just, it hit me. Like, standing here, the whole, that's messed up. I don't even know what to say right now. And yet, God makes a promise to Abraham. It says, Abraham, I'm going to make a promise to you, but I have some things I need you to do. And so, Abraham does all these really amazing things to obey God. But here's what we need to think about. Was Abraham justified as righteous because of what he did or because he believed God? And what Scripture teaches us is that all Abraham had to do was believe God and it was counted to him as righteous. The reality is if God speaks to you to do something, you have to believe his word is true before you ever get up and start walking out what he called you to do. And so this whole thing where we think that our works can save us, and some of you, some of you this week, you, you sinned. You messed up. And, and let's be honest, that's not good. And some of you just felt like because of your sin that God, he was just kind of done with you. I'm telling you, your works don't save you. Your works don't. Save you. We move on to Romans chapter 5. And this is what it says. And I want to give us hope this morning. Because the reality is, is like we talked about last week, our sin has this very detrimental effect to us, which is not just death, but it's punishment from the wrath of God. God will punish all sin, we talked about last week. The wrath of God is a real thing. And a good judge does not let sin just go free. A good judge doesn't say, you know, I'm full of mercy and I'm full of grace. 
So I'm just going to forgive you for that wrongdoing. No, a good judge holds people accountable for the sin that they commit. And so the good judge decides there has to be payment for the sin. But the good news for us this morning is that the good judge provided payment for the sin, and that is through Jesus Christ. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, not by what we do, but by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith. Say by faith. Not by your works. By what? By faith. This morning we must be a people who has faith in the work of Jesus Christ. By faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Ooh, are you there yet? Is anybody there yet? Where you're to the place in your spiritual walk where you rejoice in suffering. How are you doing this week? Rejoicing. That bad, huh? We rejoice in our suffering. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is what Scripture says. For while we were still weak, while we were still yucky and dirty sinners, while we were worth nothing, while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not because we were good, but because we were ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, perhaps one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from ourselves? No. From the world? That's not what it says either. From the wrath of God. We must understand the wrath of God against sin is a real thing. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this should bring a godly fear amongst us this morning. Not a fear as in scared of God, but a reverential fear, which is biblical. To say God will judge sin. His wrath will be poured out on unrepentant sin. But the good news is this. Look in verse 10. It says, for if while we were enemies, y'all, when we don't know Christ, we are enemies of God. Let's make no mistake. Your friends who don't know Jesus, don't, they don't just kind of need Jesus. They're in a posture before God as his enemy. But they're a good person. They're an enemy of God, just the same as you were before you gave your life to Christ. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how? By the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The reality is this. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ makes us reconciled with God. 
And did you know now that your, your sin is forgiven? Amen. Your sin is forgiven. But look at chapter 6. And I want to focus in right here today. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How are we who died to sin still live in it? That's a rhetorical question. Uh, but he's not saying, let's figure out how we can do that. Right? Come over to Pastor Drew's house today. We're going to figure out how we can live in sin, even though we've died to it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might, too, may walk in newness of life. How many of you have walked in that newness of life? Have you walked in that newness of life? This is, this is the, the great and glorious goodness of our Lord, is that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Christ, that newness of life can be born in us and through us. And if we truly grasp this, if we truly grasp the newness of life that is in Jesus Christ, we can't help but share it. It is like a fire shut up in our bones. Jesus said it like this. He said, a, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm driving up 21 South towards Berryville, and I pop over Crystal Mountain there, and you can look out into the valley. You know what you see? You see all of Berryville. And I love it. It's just beautiful to me. You know why? It's home. It's home. It's just this gorgeous view, this gorgeous valley of this city down there just lit up. But that's us as believers. There's no way we can stay hidden if we belong to him. We are a light. We talked about that several weeks ago in the message from the mountain that we are the light of the world. And if you truly begin to walk in the newness of life, which is Jesus Christ, you can't help but shine light. And if you're not shining light, you must ask yourself, am I a follower of Christ or am I a follower of me? The wrath of God will be revealed against everyone who's following themselves. But there's newness of life for those who surrender. This week I was talking to someone in a context of a situation where I probably should not have been sharing the gospel. And yet this person, they just, like, they didn't open the door, I'll be honest. They just kind of cracked it. They cracked the door for the gospel. And I saw this as a Kairos moment. So I slipped my fingers inside that door and I flung it open. This is not literally. This is metaphorically. I flung that door open and I preached the gospel to this young man. I don't know what he did with it. All I knew was, we must be a people of the light who declare the gospel. And I proclaimed it loud enough to where a room full of people could hear it. 
at some point we have to get to the place where proclaiming the gospel is the priority of our lives. We have to understand what the gospel is. And if we don't understand the gospel, we must dive into the word of God. I, I would say if you're saying, Pastor Drew, I don't know how to present the gospel. First of all, I'd say, come to our Wednesday night class with Pastor Steve. He'd be more than glad to teach you how to walk through the gospel with someone. It is quite simple. We are people who are under grace. We are under people who are under the love of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I know this is simple today, but I, I truly believe that for those in the room that are mature believers, that you will you will dig into this. And those of you who are new believers, you're hearing some of this for the first time, and, and the Lord is, is growing your faith right now. But in Romans chapter 10, in verse 9, it says this. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 11, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Let me tell you, we, we love the idea of a merciful God. A God who will forgive us of sins. How many are grateful that God has forgiven us of our sins today? That the cross took away all of our sin and all of our shame. And today I can stand righteous in right relationship to God because of Jesus' work on the cross. But we all, what we must understand is if Jesus is only Savior and he is not Lord, then we have not surrendered our life to him. What does it mean to be Lord? And, and I, I'd encourage you. Next time you share the gospel with someone, ask them, do you know what a Lord is? Uh, and I'll tell you this right now. If they're unchurched um, at all, and even somewhat younger, they will not understand what a Lord is at all. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I hear it in movies sometimes. My Lord. Like, what is a Lord? It's someone who's a master, a king. And here's the thing, when, when the Lord, when the master, when the king, when he says something, we do it. And that's what this scripture is saying, is that you, you're not just believing in the saving work of what Jesus has done on the cross, but you're also confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is my master. Whatever he says, I'm going to do. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, you obey my commands. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Has the Lord ever spoken to you something, either through the word or just put something on your heart to do, and, and you didn't obey that command?
Now you can look this way. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the reality is if you close your eyes just now and you thought about a time where you weren't obedient to the king and you felt condemnation, the question isn't why is Pastor Drew making me feel condemned? The question is simply this. If I'm feeling condemnation, am I in Christ Jesus? Because can I tell you right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You should be thankful if you feel in your heart condemned. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking you, drawing you to life. And once you're in Christ Jesus, there is no longer condemnation. Because you point to the cross and say, I am free. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And what the scripture tells us is that by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Someone was debating with me the other day. It was this. Could Jesus have sinned? That's a great question. Now, I can answer this one easily. Did Jesus sin? No, Jesus never sinned. And so we say this, could Jesus have sinned? Hmm, that one's, that's a juicy question. And, I, you know, if this one, if you don't like my answer, come up after church, we'll debate it for a while. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, could Jesus have sinned? I'm going to say he could have if he wanted to. That's what I'm going to say. Because he was born in the likeness of sinful flesh. And really, it's not impressive if he had no capability of sinning to me. Right? Because then he just, well, I just couldn't sin. Well, that's not fair. No, what's the scripture? He was tempted in every manner that we're tempted, yet was without sin. Like, every opportunity was presented to him, hey, you can sin right here. And you know what Jesus said? No. He said, get behind me, Satan, because sometimes flesh is other people, right? Uh, he was tempted with sin, and yet he used the word of God and said no to sin. And he had the same flesh you and I have. He had the same flesh you and I have. Like, and I was reading this this week about how Jesus suffered. And can I tell you what that suffering was sometimes? Sometimes that suffering was saying no to sin. Because how many know sometimes sin just feels good? And sometimes to say no to sin is to choose to suffer. And some of us, we just give in because it feels good. I don't want to say no to this. It feels good. The reality is if Jesus... If Jesus could walk through it without sin, what does that mean? It means I can, too, by the grace of God. Not my flesh, not because I'm trying to earn God's approval, because I love the king who died for me. And that's what I was trying to, to, to uh, tell this young man who was, who was, um, he was a Catholic young man. And I said, sometimes 
Catholics have this thing where they say, if you work hard enough, God will approve of you. And we don't believe that in any way, shape, or form. What we believe is the grace of God has poured out on you, and he loves you, and our response to that love and that grace is, okay, God, I will serve you. And I can say no, no to sin because of you. You know what's crazy to me? It's like, well, Drew a year ago said no to that sin. Why can't Drew today say no to that sin? Anyone ever been there before? I've said no to it before. Why am I not saying no to it today? Lord, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know what? You can. You just chose not to. You can say no to sin. The greater thing I want to talk to us today as I'm, as I'm closing up here is just what I said last week to remember, and, and I know I'm, I'm saying it a little calmer today. I know I was revved up last week, but it's okay. No apologies. Um, our friends need Jesus. The sin I'm talking about, they're walking in. And the reality is the sin is just the fruit of their life. The reality is I'm not. <sighs> we look at people who are gossips and drunks and, um, you know, what's funny. I was talking to my girls in the way to church today. Think about gossip. But so much of the time it's true. So we feel like we can get away with it. You don't, some of you think you're not walking in sin about your gossip because your gossip is true. Still gossip. Anyway, um, we're alcoholics, we're gossips, we're disobedient to parents, we're all the things, and all these things are symptoms of the problem. And we can, we can rail against all the sin all day long, but Sinful people are going to act sinful. What they need is Jesus. The question is, which of your friends need Jesus? Their sin is just a symptom of their heart. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time, and I'm going to ask you a question I believe I asked you last week, is which of your friends need to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord? And the bigger question is this, what are you going to do about it? Will you speak up? Will you tell them about the goodness of your Jesus? What is their name? What is this person's name? And can you gently, or I don't know, maybe aggressively, it depends on how the Lord leads you to do it. Some people need an aggressive wake-up call. Some people need a gentle word. But what will you do to tell them? about your Jesus, who is both Savior and Lord.
And I just say, pray, Lord, break our hearts for the lost. Break our hearts for those who don't know you, who have not found freedom and hope that are in you. So here in just a moment, I'm going to have Shane come and dismiss us in prayer. But before I do, I want to say just a couple of things. In February, uh, and I've been working on this for some time now, but in February, starting the, the first Sunday of February, um, we're going to have start a sermon series, um, which I'm really excited about, um, about purpose. I mean, sometimes we just need help finding purpose. And if you have any friends or loved ones or like they just, they don't know about their purpose, this is great for them. It's great for you. I mean, sometimes you wake up and you're just like, man, it's just a rat race. Like doing the same thing over and over again every day. God, why am I here? What is going on? What is my purpose? At, and through some, some of my own personal struggles and battles, um, over the last two and three years, uh, I've, I've put this together and, and I'm, I believe it's breathed on by God. I think it's going to be, um, helpful, not just helpful, but empowering, uh, to each and every single person in this room. Uh, it even comes with homework if you want it. Um, so you can examine, we're not going to assign purposes to you, but we could, that'd be fun, right? Okay. Um, you're now the janitor, and you're now the bus driver, and you're now the, I'm not just talking about purpose within this house, but I'm talking about purpose for your life. Some of you, God is speaking things to you, and you're, you need to figure out who God has called you to be, and I'm excited. I'm excited that in February, we're going to be launching into that, and so be looking for that. Be praying into that, and if you're someone who's like felt a little hopeless, maybe over the last season through COVID and everything else, um, Begin to pray, and Lord, in, in February, Lord, I need you to speak to me clearly about the purpose for my life. Um, last is this, is what I want to say before Shane comes, is uh, Ken had a word earlier today. Ken is one of the elders of our church. And um, how many know there is such thing as right and wrong? How many know sometimes there isn't right and wrong? It takes a lot of discernment to know which is which. Sometimes um, something isn't necessarily right or wrong. It's just different. And I found myself fighting battles that didn't need to be fought because I believed I was right and the other person was wrong. I know you can't believe that, me being a Killingsworth. Wrong. Sometimes we fight battles that we don't need to fight because it's not that the other person's right or wrong. It's just they're different. Now, you say, Pastor Drew, is this biblical? Absolutely. Romans 14, it says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. 
One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. If, if you go on and, and read other places in Scripture, it talks about there's some things that are just right and wrong, and some things just are different. The goal is to encourage our brothers and sisters and find unity, to find a bond of peace. What I love about this congregation, I've seen time and time again within this congregation, is I've seen vast differences of, pin of opinion, like even opposing differences of opinion within this house, and yet you continue to come and sit next to each other on Sunday and worship the Lord. Why? Because these aren't crucial issues, some of them. These aren't. And some of you need to hear that. Maybe it's, uh, I, and when Ken said it, he, I think you were feeling it, maybe it's someone in your family or a situation you have at work or something like that. Y you need to understand that some things aren't necessarily right or wrong. They're just different. Now, I'll say what I said a while ago. There's definitely such thing as right and wrong, too. But we need to be clear where the Bible is clear and where the Bible is quiet. Maybe we should just be quiet. That's hard. Shane, will you come and close us in prayer today? Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this message today. Help us, Lord, to take this message, Lord, from your messenger today and, and apply it to our lives this week. Take us from here safely today. Bring us back next week, Lord, and we just love you, and we praise you, and we honor you, and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.